Welcome again to Big Valley Grace Community Church here on the Modesto campus. We're glad that you're with us. Welcome to everyone who is with us in the venue this morning. We're glad that you're here and everyone who's watching online. Thanks for joining us today. And if you're watching online, we'd love for you to come and be present with us real soon here on the Modesto campus. And so come and and join us. If it is your first time here today, we're really glad that you're here. We hope that today is a great encouragement to you and that you're really blessed by your time here today. And if you don't have a church home, we'd love to become your church home. And so come back again next week. We'd love to be with you again. We're gonna be in Colossians chapter three today. If you wanna take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter three, we'll be looking at verses one through 17. We'll look at a number of places in Colossians, but that'll be our main passage. If you don't have a Bible, you don't own a Bible, we would like to give you a Bible today. Come to the altar room here in the worship center or in the venue. Go to the altar room right after today's gathering, and our team will place a free copy of the Word of God in your hands. We want you to have a copy of the Word of God. There are printed note sheets also that you were handed as you came in today. Those will be helpful to you uh, to see how I've laid out the passage and organized the passage as we're going to walk through it today uh, in just a moment. Well, each of these three weeks here in this series called Life is Better Together, we have had the opportunity through a video to uh, peer into, to look into a, uh, a group that's meeting as a part of our church, one of the life groups. And today we have that opportunity again. And so turn your attention to the screens at this time. We are Cody and Adrian Skiles, and uh, we've got three kids. We've been part of our small group for um, eight years now, almost eight years. We got we started the small group about the same time we got married, and it was a young married small group. It started out as couples, and now it's grown to families, and we've all had kids together, so now it's more of a daycare at times. And now there's over 15 kids. It's been amazing to have our kids ask to go to small group and want to be a part of it and they didn't want to be cut out of it and still want to go. So um, it's changed our focuses. We've done a lot of parenting stuff now. We're currently in a study talking about anxiety because with life and family comes stress. So um, it's just been fun to walk through that together. We can take that big church feel and then narrow it down to our small group and and really get to um, tackle the day-to-day struggles. That, that we deal with. You know, when, when marriage gets tough and, and you're going through stuff, as, as most marriages do, as our marriage has, and um, we both called up our small group and our leaders and said, hey, can you come over? And then that night they come over and we have a little time um, to be together and just to, to pray and to talk and, and get wisdom, um, to have friends on speed dial that you're in fellowship with and that you grow and go through life with. That's been a huge blessing our small group, we're, we're able to keep each other accountable. Um, and as I know for the guys' night, I mean, we've, we've had this conversation to where, hey, it's time to keep each other accountable. And, and how are we growing? Um, how are we how are we becoming better husbands and better parents and better dads? For us ladies, we have done women's studies last night. We stayed together till 10 o'clock last night talking about stuff and just diving deep into the Word and how to be a better mom and wife. Um, in the world and we got to encourage each other through that and feel that we aren't the only ones struggling in that area. Some days are crazy where it's like maybe we should just stay home but God always (laughs) blesses 
that time um, for us as a couple and as a family. And um, it's, it's just something that we don't want to take out of our schedule when we look at where priorities are in life because of the blessing that's come out of it. So I just encourage people to make that time and change around life so that you can get plugged in with a group. And it's those times when you don't want to go to small group. Um, to where you are tired of the kids, it's been a long day, um, that, we, that we get to go and then we get the most out of it. There's something holding you back and there's a reason and uh, we end up going and, and it's a gut check or it's a, it's an uplifting time or something. It, the, those are the times that are most important. God's got somewhere for everybody and it's very, very important, I think, in our spiritual walk to be in a small group of some sort. Oh, wow, man, seeing all those kids in that small group <laughs> reminds me of my house. <laughs> man, I'm thankful to the Skiles and them opening up their home, their hearts, that they would host and lead and, and welcome people into a group and for everyone who is doing that so that many, many people as a part of Big Valley Grace, this church family here, are entering into community. And uh, that video really sets up well, I believe, the passage that we're going to be looking at today. And and how God might encourage us. And we're looking in Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 17. And it begins in this way. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so that you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is an incredible passage that describes, it explains, it gives a picture of the second family, the spiritual family, the family of God and how that family is to operate and how that family is to be in relationship with one another because there is supposed to be great love and encouragement found in the second family, the spiritual family, the family of God. And that's what we want to look at today, that as a believer, 
that you can experience love and encouragement within your second family, your spiritual family, the family of God, by getting to know the spiritual family members. And we're going to use this as an illustration today, the spiritual family members at the table of God. So we'll begin in verse 1. It says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And so spiritual family member number one that we're going to look at is God. It's God. God, who is the most important spiritual family member, is at the head of the table. Specifically in verse one, we see here that as we peek into the throne room in heaven, that God the Father is on the throne with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, seated at the right hand of the Father. Now the context of a passage is important. It's good for us to ask questions like, what comes before this passage? What comes after this passage? Or what other passages in scripture discuss this topic or this doctrine? And we can apply that kind of question to this and say, what comes before or after this passage that'll help us understand who God the Father is and who God the Son is? Well, in the same book of the Bible, in Colossians, in chapter one, Paul, he extends an invitation to give thanks to God because of all that God has accomplished on our behalf. And then he explains the work and the person of Christ Jesus in Colossians 1, verses 12 through 14. It says this, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Are you thankful for the father God and what he has accomplished on your behalf? That he has provided a way for you to become qualified to share in his inheritance? The father God rescues us from the grip of hell and the strongholds of Satan and the demonic. He rescues us into his kingdom ruled victoriously by his son, the one who has paid the price for our redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And so we deserve eternal death in hell apart from God. And yet through faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we are given the free gift of eternal life, not by our own works, so that none of us can brag about it or boast, but solely by the grace of God. And so, in the Father God, you can experience love and encouragement. The Father God loves you, and he wants you to be aware of his love for you. So he's manifested his love for you in a very practical way by sacrificing his own son to pay the price for your sin that you might be forgiven and that you might come to know him. Knowing God is the only way to experience true love and knowing God is the only way to experience true encouragement. And so this is the Father God who sits at the head of the spiritual table and seated next to him at his right hand is his son, Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on in Colossians chapter one to explain the person and the work of Jesus Christ in verses 15 through 18. It says this, Jesus Christ, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation for by him, all things were created in heaven. And on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him 
and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. The Father God is invisible, but he doesn't want to remain invisible to us. So the Father God provides his son, Jesus Christ, to be the visible image of the invisible God. And God exists before creation, independent from creation, yet he's the creator and he's the sustainer of all of creation. God exists apart from creation, but creation cannot exist apart from God. And because God chose to create through the person of his son, Jesus Christ, all of creation, all of creation is thus lower than the creator, which includes all of the heavens and all of the earth and all that's contained within them. And the father God has given the son God a place of authority over all of creation and a place as the head of the spiritual body, which is the church, that is us. Because Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death, he is now referred to as the firstborn from the dead. In other words, Jesus, who was both fully God and fully human, conquered sin and death by being raised to new life, back from the dead, and he has provided a path for us to follow him in eternal life as well. So he is the firstborn from the dead because there are many more after Jesus who are reborn out of spiritual death and into spiritual life. In the Son, God, you can experience love and encouragement. The Son, God, loves you and he wants you to be aware of his love for you so he's manifested his love for you in a very practical way by dying on the cross to pay the price for your sin that you might be forgiven and come to know the Father. Knowing Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the only way to experience the true love of God the Father. Knowing Jesus Christ is the only way to experience the true encouragement that is found in God the Father. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is seat, he, he's seated at the right hand of the Father God, who is at the head of the spiritual table. And when you get to know God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, at the head of the table, you're going to experience love and encouragement within your second family, your spiritual family, the family of God. Now, as we continue on in our, our passage in Colossians chapter 3, we'll start back in verse 1 again. It says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Seek, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. The creator, sustainer, and savior of the universe is at the head of the spiritual table. And our highest aim is to set our minds to focus on him. Think about it this way. To focus on creation rather than the creator would it be to completely miss the one who hosts the spiritual table. If I set my mind on things that are on earth, I've settled for a life focus that is far lower than what God desires to give me through his presence. 
This is why Paul, he writes in verse 1, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And again in verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Don't miss the fact that God the Father is present at the table. He is the head. He is the host. And the guest of honor is his son who sits at his right hand. Spend some time getting to know spiritual family member number one, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The next spiritual family member that we want to recognize has gained access to the table by special invitation through some extreme means. And in verse three in Colossians chapter three, it says this, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Spiritual family member number two is the new you. The new you. The new you became the new you by receiving a special invitation from the Holy Spirit of God to place your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation that you would believe that Jesus Christ would rescue you from the penalty of sin, which is death. In other words, before you could ever become the new you, the old you had to die. It was sentenced to death because of sin. So because the old you has to die, the new you is able to now come to life. For Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, for you have died. Simply, the old you has to die, which is the final penalty for the old you anyway, for the old you has to die because of sin. Now the good news of the gospel is that even though the old you has to die, that Christ brings you new life in him. This is why Paul writes, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, earlier in the previous chapter, chapter two, Paul explains how baptism illustrates the reality that occurs when your old self dies and Christ gives you new life. And so in Colossians 2.12, he says this, having been buried with Christ in baptism in which you were also raised with Christ through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Christ From the dead. And this verse explains two important facts that we're going to draw out of it. First, that because of our faith in Jesus Christ, that He's accomplished the payment for our sin through the shedding of His blood, through His death on the cross, through faith, we have also entered into death with Christ. Thus, the going down in water baptism represents death. It's symbolic of us entering into the death with Jesus Christ. And so this is the first important one that we want to pull out of this verse. And it's in the phrase, we've been buried with him, with Christ in baptism. The second, that's because not only of our faith that Jesus Christ died and he was buried, but that he was raised, that God raised Jesus from the dead to new life. Because we believe this through faith, we've also entered into the new life with Christ Thus, the coming back up in water baptism, which represents resurrection, is symbolic of us entering into this new life with Jesus Christ. And so that's the second important truth we want to pull out of Colossians 2.12. And it's in that phrase, you were also raised with Christ through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Christ from the dead. So we jump back now to Colossians chapter 3, our primary passage. And in verse 3 it says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so through faith, through faith we've entered into death with Christ. 
And because Christ was raised from the dead and is now glorified at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, we also have been hidden with Christ in his new life, and thus we have new life in him. If Christ is not glorified and currently, right now, seated at the right hand of the Father God in heaven, we have no hope. But because Christ is glorified right now, and he's right now seated at the right hand of the Father God in heaven, we have hope only because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Only because of him. And so, in verse 4, he simply says, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, when Christ appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's coming a moment when Christ will appear and Christ will rapture his church to be with him in heaven. And when Christ appears, he appears as the one who is your life. Thus, Christ being our life, we will also appear with him in glory. If you have been given the incredible gift of faith by the power of the Holy Spirit that has drawn you to place all your hope and your security in Jesus Christ and him alone, you are now the new you. You're the new you. The new you is who is seated at the spiritual family table. So you can stop trying to invite the old you to dinner because there's no place for the old you in the new spiritual family. The old you doesn't get to sit at the spiritual table of God. Now, Paul uses much stronger language than what I, what I just used because in verse five, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. The old you and all of the worldly and sinful characteristics that came naturally to the old you, it all has to die. In fact, there's one final solution for the old you. Evil tendencies and all, and he explains it in verse six. On account of these, on account of evil and sin, the wrath of God is coming. All sin and evil is the target for the coming wrath of God. The wrath of God is gonna be expressed on all that is worldly, sinful, evil, and of the flesh, and it's a great reminder to be thankful that God has provided a way of salvation from the penalty of sin, which is eternal death, because eternity without Jesus is the wrath of God. And so the old you can only desire what the sinful, evil, wicked, and ungodly, and which is why Paul writes in verse seven, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. None of you is exempt from the reality of the old you, and neither am I. But the old you doesn't get to come to dinner at the table of God. You must continue to see the old you as dead and having no place in the new you. And so in verse eight, he says, but you must put all them away. Anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. All of the old you is to be done, gone, dead. Sexual immorality replaced by sexual faithfulness. Impurity replaced by purity. Fleshly passion replaced by spiritual passion. Evil desire replaced by righteous desire. Covetousness replaced by generosity. Idolatry replaced by worshiping the one true living God. Anger replaced by grace. And wrath 
replaced by mercy, and malice replaced by benevolence, and slander replaced by encouragement, and obscene talk replaced by speaking the truth in love. The creator, the sustainer, and the savior of the universe is at the head of the spiritual table, and the new you has been invited to dine with him for eternity. Think about it this way. Trying to live like the old you rather than trying to live like the new you would be to completely miss the life that is yours in Christ Jesus. If you try to dig up out of the grave the old you, you will have chosen a decomposing corpse rather than the healthy, growing, and vibrant life that God desires to provide in the new you. So don't miss the fact that the Father God is present at the table. He is the head. He is the host. And the guest of honor is his son who sits at his right hand. And the new you has been invited to sit at the table of God as a spiritual family member. So spend some time getting to know spiritual family member number two, the new you. Now, the next spiritual family member that we want to recognize has also gained access to the spiritual table through the same love and grace and mercy and forgiveness that provided you with a seat at the table. And this is spiritual family member number three. And it's all believers. And we'll have this chair represent all believers. I don't have a table big enough or enough chairs, but we'll just say this chair right here represents all believers At the table of God, you sit across from and next to spiritual family members, men, women, boys, and girls who the Holy Spirit of God has drawn to place their faith in Jesus Christ as God and Savior. And so every single believer who sits at the table of God is present there only because of the loving, gracious, merciful, and forgiveness that God has towards those who have sinned against him. And so humility Humility is the proper posture of every person that sits as a guest at the table of God. And so it is impossible to have humility towards God who sits at the head of the table and then pride towards your brother and sister who sits across or next to you. Because the moment you are prideful towards your brother and sister who sit at the table of God, you've forgotten the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God that gave you access to the seat at the table in the first place. You cannot at the same time be both humble towards God and prideful towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. To love God in the way that God desires to be loved, it it produces love towards others as God would have you love them. And so you cannot be the new you towards God at the same time you're being the old you towards all the other believers. And so we need reminders. Reminders are good. We need reminders of how to treat one another in the Lord. And so Paul continues on in our passage to to, to provide some reminders of how the new you is to be in relationship with all believers who sit in the presence of God at his table. And so verse 9, it says this. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. To put it bluntly, the old you is a liar. The new you speaks the truth of God in love to all believers. The old you has practices that impact others negatively, but the new you seeks to be a blessing to others. In verse 11, he says, here... 
There is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. The old you is a racist, but the new you recognizes the image of God in every nationality. The old you is self-righteous, but the new you understands that the righteousness of Christ has been credited to your account and to the account of all other believers who sit at the table of God. Now, Paul now shifts in his wording to describe the new you and and all other believers how to be interacting with one another at the table of God. He starts that by saying Christ is all and in all, and he continues in verse 12 then to say, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if or when one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You are to see the new you and all believers as chosen and holy and beloved by God. You're to embrace compassion towards one another in a genuine heartfelt way. You are to both express and experience kindness at the spiritual table of God. You're to welcome humility as you continue to see others as more important than yourself. You're to recognize the controlled strength and power of God that he desires to work in and through each spiritual family member. This one's going to push some buttons. You're to wait and then wait again. And then just when you think the waiting is over, wait some more in patience towards one another. You're to share the burdens of life with those who sit across from you and next to you, understanding that there's coming a moment when the burdens of life are gonna be too big for you to carry alone and you're gonna need your spiritual family to come alongside you and surround you in your time of need. You are to overlook offense, assume the best of your brothers and sisters in Christ, be ready to forgive them and then forgive them again and then forgive them over and over again, probably for the same sins you yourself have committed against God himself. God has paid a great price in Jesus Christ to take care of the old you problem and to give life to the new you and all believers. And so in verse 14, Paul writes, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul makes this big overarching statement, and I think it's for all of you loophole finders. You know who you are. I don't need to point you out, okay? But you loophole finders out there, you try to close your eyes and pretend that there aren't actually brothers and sisters sitting next to you at the table of God. It's just you and him. And that's not what's happening. He says, above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Harmony, harmony. Think about what it is like to sit at a table with others in harmony. It's joyful, it's uplifting, it's encouraging, it's strengthening. And Paul describes the harmony found at the table of God in this way in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. The peace of Christ rule 
ruling, the peace of Christ reigning as the authority at the table of God. Indeed, you were called in one body. Did you catch that? You were called in one body. You weren't called in multiple bodies, but you were called in one body, the same body, the body of Jesus Christ. And be thankful. Humility at the table of God produces gratitude, gratitude for love, gratitude for grace and forgiveness and mercy. Because God the Father, he sits at the head of the spiritual table with his son, is his right hand. And so, with that proper perspective, you welcome all that God has to pour into your life together as brothers and sisters, spiritual family members at the table of God. And then in verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The word of Christ living in you deeply and collectively as brothers and sisters finding satisfaction in the truth of God, sharing the truth of God with one another, submitting to the word of God as the ultimate wise standard from which we derive our faith in Jesus and our practice of obedience unto Jesus. Seeing the opportunity to sing the truth of the Psalms out loud with one another. Welcoming hymns as opportunities to affirm our faith in Jesus Christ collectively with rhythm and with rhyme. Welcoming new songs that contain old truth. That get our minds and our mouths moving to admire the majesty of our maker and our master. Gratefulness as a distinguishing mark of our posture, of our hearts together as brothers and sisters who recognize the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God in our lives. Living as the beloved children of God that we are. And then in verse 17, he says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In work, in speech, in action, it's all happening by the precious name of Jesus Christ within a community of people who are overwhelmed with appreciation for all that the head of the spiritual family has accomplished on their behalf. There is love and encouragement for you to experience within your second family, within your spiritual family, the family of God and you experience, your experience of this love and encouragement will grow exponentially as you get to know the spiritual family members who sit at the table of God. Get to know God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Get to know the new you. Stop focusing on the old you. Focus on being the new you called in Christ and loved by God. Get to know the believers that God has placed in your life. He's placed them all around you. He wants you to be in community with them because you are of the same body, the body of Jesus Christ together with them. And you may be answering, well, how do I do that? What do I do? Well, a very practical way for you to do it is to accept the invitation that Pastor Lonnie has been giving to you. That right after today's gathering, you would go into the welcome center in the lobby here in the worship center and you would meet with Pastor Lonnie and his team and you would get signed up to be in a life group. A life group, what is a life group? A life group is simply believers 
who are trying to live out the full experience of life in Christ in community because they don't want to miss out on the fact that the body of Christ has community for them to grow and to strive to be together as they're being led by the head who is Jesus Christ. And so my encouragement would be to not miss out on all that God wants to pour into your life and bless you with, but find community. And we've got a team of people who want to help you find that community, that you would experience the fullness of the life that Christ has for you being a part of his body. I want to invite you to stand in the venue. I invite you to stand as well as I pray today. Father God, Lord, we love you and we're grateful for you. Thank you for a time and a location for us to be able to gather that we would worship Jesus Christ and lift up the name of God, that we would be able to sing and give and be in community together, that we'd be able to open up the scriptures and to teach and to hear the word of God. Lord, that we would take action in serving you, Lord, and reaching out to those who don't yet know you. And so, God, may you be glorified in everything that we say and do. And it's, Lord, it's out of love that we do everything that we've done today. It's out of love as a gift to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and all of God's family said. Amen. Amen. Have an awesome day today.